0: Good morning everybody. (laughs) You caught me off guard there. And welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I want to apologize to you all. I have not been on for the last three days. This program is going on. Uh, Unfortunately, we had technical problems for a couple of those days. And and on Friday, I was away visiting my mother and uh, could not be on with you on Friday. And then Monday and Tuesday, we had some technical problems that prevented me from being on. But we have solved those problems and I am back. I'm on Monday through Friday 8:30 a.m. with rare exceptions and there will be exceptions because when I travel I can't well sometimes when I travel depends uh, I have things that I simply interfere with my ability to do this but this is a, a ongoing commitment for me so I'm going to be here this podcast Wisdom Awakening has taken root in the lives of some people and I, I'm not going to let it go uh, at least not that I can foresee, we'll see what God has in mind. But right now my plan is to do this until I just can't do it anymore. Uh, look, I wanna get into the word uh, early again. I was able to, 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 to do that on a few occasions uh, last week, I think a couple of occasions last week and I wanna do it again this week. Or from time to time, as you know, I get into a riff and it, it just takes up the whole podcast. But I, I want to try to avoid that this morning because I want to get back into the book of Ephesians. I do want to, to share one thing with you before we get there. And that is, it's not something that's been prominent in the news. It's not something that you, I think you're going to see. Uh, certainly not going to see most much of it in the mainstream media. But I caught a whiff of it um, on Fox and Newsmax, and I checked it out. Did you realize that there was a protest at the White House, I think this took place yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, the last couple of days anyway, in which the illegal immigrants were saying to the news media that were there and saying to those who were listening, they want to hold Biden and Harris accountable because, quote, they put them in office. And I thought, what Wait a minute. these are illegal immigrants correct yes illegal immigrants and they're saying they put uh, Biden and Harris in office now you have to ask exactly what does that mean exactly what does that mean you know I'm trying to get the story to come up here and it doesn't want to come up now that's interesting isn't it that's very interesting that it doesn't want to come up. Um, Let me see if I can find it another way. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I've got it. I've got it. So they gathered in Lafayette Square across from the White House. Let's see, what day was this? Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that this was yesterday. Pretty sure that this was yesterday. And here's a classic statement from that, that quote, unquote, protest. Here's one, quote, unquote, undocumented man. My whole life I lived in the shadows, not only as an undocumented man, but also as a queer man. (laughs) I mean, you know, President Trump famously said, they're not sending us their best. So here we got this idiot who is outside the White House demanding action because Biden said he was going to make them citizens in 100 days or something. He made some stupid statement like that. Should have known better. But, you know, here again, these people have no ethics with regard to truth versus falsehood. So they will say anything they need to say and he's upset because he's been in the shadows, not only as an undocumented man, in other words, as an illegal alien, yes, an illegal alien, you are a foreigner who has no right to be in this country, and he's outside the White House protesting because he's been in the shadows, not only as a quote unquote undocumented man, but as a queer man. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, it sounds to me like you belong in the shadows on both counts. <laughs> his word, by the way, queer, his word, not mine. That apparently is an acceptable word among homosexuals. I don't use it, but they use it. Uh, I don't think they realize the word queer means odd, weird, strange, but here again, <laughs> well, it won't be the first time that they have appropriated language uh, to, to, uh, to our dismay. why in the world would anybody want to call themselves queer? But that's, they like it, you know. I've, all, all I can do is stand back in, in utter amazement. But <laughs> here's the part I really want to get to. I mean, that, that is just, that is just bizarre. One of the spokespeople said, now we're going to turn to the White House because we are here to talk to someone that we put in office, that we put in office, quoting that again, that we put in office. Despite having no political power, she goes on to say, we have our social power, this is a guy actually, I guess. After that last quote, who knows? We have our social power to get him in, we use our social power to get him in office. So he's accountable to us. (laughs) Do you believe these people? (laughs) So now the president of the United States is accountable to illegal aliens who have no right to be here, have no right to vote. They should be expelled. All those people should have been rounded up and kicked out of the country. End of discussion. And they're saying that the president is accountable to them. Really? You see the bizarre world these people live in. And look, not when I say these people, I'm not talking about a racial category. I'm, I'm not even only talking about illegal immigrants. I'm talking about these leftists. They live in a bizarre world. They live in a world of unreality. The president of the United States is not accountable to them. Of course, he may think he is because he's as big an idiot as they are. You know, we have got to get control of the values, get a handle again on the values that made this country great. And one of those values is the rule of law. It's one of the beautiful things about this country. Now here again, I know we're not a perfect country and I know that if you're a very wealthy person, you can do things with the law because you can afford to hire big time lawyers. You can afford to hire lobbyists and you can have more power and impact with the law than others who don't have those means can. I understand that. That's not perfect, but it's it's preferable to a totalitarian system that tries to make everybody the same. It's not perfect, but it's better than the alternative. But this idea of just trampling the law is, is, is so dangerous and antithetical <coughs> to everything we are. The rule of law says, no matter who you are, rich or poor, no matter what the color of your skin, no matter what your, your political position, your social, whatever that the law applies equally across the board. Now here again, I know we're not perfect at that. But but I'll tell you what, as a society, we work at that. That's why Jeffrey Epstein went to jail. That's why Bernie Madoff went to jail. Now you could craft all kinds of conspiracy theories about who they uh, who they offended and who got and all that. But you go back through our history. And you will find very often the rich, the famous, the powerful end up in the clutches of the criminal justice system and are severely punished. Now, here again, I know it's not perfect, but the fact that it happens encourages all of us that the rule of law is alive and well in the hearts of the american people and we seek as best we can to make sure that the law applies to everyone this illegal immigrant stuff this this onslaught across our border this open borders policy that the biden administration has is basically promoting i mean he said when, 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 when Mayorkas, uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, says the border is closed, he's a liar. Now, let's just not mince words. He's a liar. The border is not closed. They don't want it closed. And everybody knows it's not closed. I mean, come on. I mean, part of what makes me angry is they treat the American people like we're idiots. They say something with, oh, 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 oh the Secretary of Homeland Security said the border is closed. End of discussion. Let's all gather our stuff and go home. We're all set. But all along the border, Americans are having their property destroyed. We're seeing rapes. We're seeing murders. I am convinced that the spike in crime is at least in part the result of criminal illegal aliens crossing our borders and bringing their criminal behavior into our country. I don't think that's the whole explanation, but I do think that's part of it. You throw open the borders, you got human traffickers, drug traffickers, cartel members, you got all uh, MS-13 and other gang members crossing the border, and they're bringing all their crime with them. And crime along the border, of course, has spiked tremendously. People who live along the border are are afraid for their lives. But none of that matters because... The Democrat party has decided that there is political power in illegal immigration ultimately, and so they don't care what happens to the country. America can go to Hades as far as they're concerned. As I've said before, they're they're just like the devil in, in John Milton's Paradise Lost, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. They'd rather see America be a hellish nation as long as they're in control of it, than see it be a nation that is peaceful, prosperous, that is allowing all of its citizens to reach their highest potential, that is keeping people out of the country who don't belong here, that is dealing with crime in an appropriate way in order to keep law-abiding citizens safe in their persons and property. If that meant that they don't get the power to rule over us, they would just as soon throw all that out and have chaos as long as they're in control of it. And I don't think that that is an extreme statement at all. I think that's a factual statement. If you look at the way they behave, I think that's a factual statement. I mean, one encroachment on our Capitol here again, I cannot overstate that I was, I am against what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. The Capitol should, building should never have been uh, encroached. I would never have been a part of anything like that. That was lawless. It was wrong. There's a lot of investigating that needs to be done to find out how this woman got killed by the way, um, in addition to just exactly what happened. But I don't trust the Democrats to do it because for them, it is not a matter of really trying to find the facts. It is a matter of trying to create another polemic against our country and against conservatives who don't like the direction in which they're leading the country. So I don't trust them with any kind of commission. I don't trust them to do anything. I don't, sadly, I don't trust the FBI anymore to do it. I don't know what it's going to take at this point. I mean, it's a sad situation when when law enforcement becomes co-opted by the left, or at least it becomes perceived to be co-opted by the left. I mean, that's a sad, sad state of affairs because the people who should be interested in nothing but the facts instead seem to be co-opted by a political agenda so that you can't trust their conclusions. I mean, when they say the shooting of Steve Kalise and those other uh, representatives um, at that baseball field in Washington, D.C., that the man was trying to commit suicide by cop, And you look at all the facts surrounding that and you just go and pull your hair out and go what? What? I mean, it's clear that the man plotted and planned and intended to kill Republicans. And you say he was trying to commit suicide by cop. That's really easy to do. You go find a cop. You pull the gun on him. But this man laid in wait. For Republicans to come. Practice for a baseball game and then took target practice on them. That's not suicide by cop. That's insane. I mean that that conclusion is completely contrary to, the, to everything we know. And I know they've investigated, but I mean, look. We, we know what happened and that was not an attempted suicide by cop. But that's the conclusion that the FBI is is trying to push And You know, I mean that that it, 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 that really bothers me because I've always had such, such great respect for that organization. You know, we really have got we're going to have to have. Elected president who's going to clean that up. You talk about cleaning up the military of the so-called white supremacists. We got to clean up the FBI and law enforcement of all these leftists, all these Marxists, all these people who think they're above the Constitution and get some people in there who understand that their primary job is to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the laws of the United States and it doesn't matter who it touches. It does not matter. It should not matter. And what you what you seek is truth as best you can find it. But anyway, I didn't mean to go off on off on all of that, but, but it's sti- it still bears on this issue that I'm, I'm raising, which is the undermining of the rule of law by these leftists who think that the law is nothing but a game to be manipulated in their behalf. Look, it, it, here again, I know, I, forgive me, folks, if I seem to be re, re, if I seem to be repeating the same mantra, But I have to come back to it because it's true. Let me just take a moment and then I'm going to get to the word to to say this to you. When I was in law school um, and you may have heard this before, some of you may have not. But when I was in law school, um, there was the development of a school of legal studies called critical legal studies. It's like critical race theory, critical legal studies. Now, all this this critical um, study stuff comes out of Marxism because Marx had the view that all systems that are not communist must be torn down they must be dismantled they must be destroyed and critical studies is really about destroying the system as it exists so critical legal studies posited the theory that the laws of the United States of America are invalid because They are simply a reflection of the power um, differentiation between the rich and the poor, the powerful and the impotent and and the elites and the masses, just like the bourgeois and the proletariat. Same idea. And therefore, there's nothing true or right or good or just about the law. It is simply a reflection of the powerful exercising authority over the weak. So for example, laws against stealing are nothing but attempts by people who own property to keep property away from those who don't. I mean, that's what critical legal studies posits. See, I am convinced that these all these leftists in the Democrat Party and, and all these 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 left wing crazies have imbibed this stuff. So this, just like when they were rioting and looting and, and stealing and saying we have a right to it. Critical legal studies that the law only keeps me from taking this because it's protecting the wealthy people who own it not because it's right, not because they have a right to it, but just because the law is designed simply to protect them. So you own a house, the law is simply trying to protect you, you greedy thing you, you you selfish thing you for having a house, the law is simply trying to protect you against the people who don't, and that's not right, because they have as much right to your house as you do. I mean, that's really, that's a little bit of a caricature, but, but that's really the essence of it. And I, I really believe that these leftists are promoting that view, that the law itself is invalid. Remember, Patrice Cullors said that the entire criminal justice system must be dismantled. That's one of the last things she said before she left her exalted multimillionaire position as head of Black Lives Matter. I guess, to go off and live in one of her mansions that she bought somewhere. I mean, this. So I just said that to say, I think this attempt to undermine the rule of law is very, very intentional because it's part of delegitimizing the United States of America in toto. The whole thing needs to be brought down. Now, I think some of these Democrats have probably not thought through all of that because they're, they're pawns and puppets of people at higher levels than they are. But I think there are some people who know this. I think George Soros knows this. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I think um, Tom Steyer knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, I, I, they, they, these people don't understand that if the revolution that they are stoking were to happen, they would be the first ones to have their heads lopped off by the very people that they've been supporting. It happens every time we've had one of these communist revolutions. It happens every single time. But but, you know, when you are blinded by idolatry and godlessness and and you are influenced by the devil, you don't realize you're opposing yourself. You think you're doing what you want for you. And you're thinking selfishly and you're thinking, yeah, this is going to help me. And you don't realize you are sowing the seeds of your own destruction. It is always true. Satan doesn't create anything. He is not a creator. He's a destroyer. And if he appears to be creating anything, it is to bring it down on your head because that's what he does. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. There's no creativity in him. There's no giving in him. There's no generosity in him. There's no life in him. And all these people who have rejected God and embraced Marxism and all that they've they don't realize they they are walking dead. You understand what I mean spiritually they are walking dead. They don't know that they're dead, but they're they're completely dead on the inside. They're like zombies is not don't I, folks I shouldn't have to say this and I don't have to say this to most of you who are watching this but you do have to say this kind of stuff because these leftists will go off the deep end and accuse me of things EW you know, e. Jackson said people are zombies go out and kill them and of course you all know by constant disclaimers I am never talking violence I'm talking fighting the good fight of faith I'm talking using every constitutional mechanism at our disposal to win the battle for the hearts and minds, the soul of our nation, to bring it back to its foundational principles. So, just to get that straight for the record, okay? I have been threatened, but I've never threatened anyone, okay? I have been been accosted by those who want to do me violence, but I have never accosted anyone and I don't want to do any violence. And I don't want anyone who listens to me to think in any way that I would ever sanction violence against anyone because that is, <clears throat> that is not what I stand for. And I don't believe anything like that would be nece- is necessary to saving this country. And in fact, I believe it would be counterproductive and it is counterproductive. We're gonna save this country by the tools that God has already put in our hands We're going to use them wisely, intelligently, with spiritual insight, with with the power of our faith. And we're going to bring America back to the foundational principles that made us the greatest nation on earth. And that means we're going to close those borders and let the whole world know that if you want to come to America, you want to be an American, you are certainly welcome. You get in line and you follow the proper process and procedure and we will welcome you with open arms. You come illegally, you will never be an American, and we're going to kick you out. I mean, it's really just that plain and simple. You are violating our laws, and therefore you are already showing that you don't respect us as a country. Can you imagine these people going to the White House talking about, you're accountable to us, they're not citizens. Oh, and the, you, you know the governor of Vermont, he wants illegal immigrants to vote in Vermont elections. That ought to be a violation of federal law and it ought to be a felony for any non-citizen to vote in any American election, local, state, or federal. It ought to be a violation of law. It ought to be a felony (coughs) punishable by fines and imprisonment. Polluting our electoral process. We've already got problems. People have confidence in it. Now you got these idiots running around talking about they want to have illegal immigrants vote. We know that's what Democrats want anyway. We know that, but you have some stupid enough to, to announce it, thank you very much, so that we know now explicitly exactly what they're after. I mean, we know it anyway. But I, I wish they would articulate it more because the more they articulate their stupidity, the more the American people will see just how utterly irresponsible it is to give these people any power, any power, because they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to subdue our enemies. All they know how to do is subdue the American people and try to subjugate us under their stupid, draconian ideas, their totalitarian impulses, their tyrannical predispositions. Have I described it well enough? You know, okay, let me get off that. Let me get to the word. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter two. Good. Praise God. I got some time to deal with this. Ephesians chapter two. Uh, Let's see. We finished at verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have were were, who, who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let, Let me just, before I go on to the next passage, let me just say this about the blood of Christ. When God entered the covenant with Abraham, he allowed Abraham to covenant with him through the blood of animals. When, when you read over in the book of Genesis, I think it's around Genesis chapter 12, where a, a, a fiery furnace walks a bloody path that's been built by Abraham that he's He's cut animals open and laid them out and their blood has run between them. And while he was in a trance, a smoking fiery furnace passes across that path of blood. That was God pointing us toward the ultimate bloody path that Jesus himself would walk, shedding his own blood for us on that path and on the cross so that we could cross over the chasm between us and Almighty God. But my brothers and sisters, without the blood, there is no path. Let me say that again. Without the blood, there is no path. There's no way to cross the chasm between man and God without the blood of Jesus Christ. Muhammad can't do it. Buddha can't do it. Hare Krishna can't do it. Joseph Smith can't do it. Hindus can't do it. Only Jesus Christ can do it. Says you who were once far off on the other side of that chasm, that's me and that's you. If you're saved, if you're in Christ Jesus have been brought near, You cross that chasm by the blood of Christ. See, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I said this on Sunday. You should go listen to that message on Sunday. Um, It was the final message in the fruit of discipleship. But I said then, or I've said many, many times, so maybe I said it on this program. God cannot forgive sin simply because he's good. Did you hear that? God cannot forgive sin simply because he's good. God can only forgive sin when the price, the cost, the payment, the penalty, The justice due for sin is paid. Wow! Did you hear what I said? You know these people running around saying, "Oh, I, I, you know, (laughs) oh God, forgive me," and then reject Jesus Christ and think that they're going to get somewhere. You're not, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You can weep, you can cry, you can moan, you can slobber and slop and and writhe on the ground. (laughs) You can can go through all of that. And you can get up from all that feeling better, feeling, "Oh, oh, I feel so much better having gotten that off my chest. But the sin is still in your spirit. The only way that God can forgive sin is through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why when they let that man down through the roof of Jesus' house, and 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 the man was crippled, couldn't move. I think he was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was crippled from, I think he was crippled from birth. But anyway, they they let him down. He couldn't walk, totally infirm, paralyzed. And Jesus looked down at that man, said the Bible says, and seeing their faith. In other words, they believed that if they got to Jesus, he could be made whole. Jesus looked at him and the first thing he said was, your sins are forgiven you. And of course, all the Jews around them said, who in the world does he think he is that he can forgive sins? And Jesus heard their murmuring and then said, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. He said, but I say to you, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man got up, picked up his little pallet and strutted right on out. And then Jesus said, but so that you know, he said before he raised the man up, he said, so that you, but that you may know, that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Glory to God. Why? Because he is the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. Now that blood had not yet been shed, but Jesus Christ was in a position to offer that man forgiveness, looking ahead to the full payment for his sins. See, see that's how people... People in the Old Covenant weren't saved like you and I are. For those of you who are Christians, they weren't saved like you and I are. So, well, well, how was it different? They were not born again. They were not regenerated from within. They were not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could be with them based upon the sovereign power of God to anoint someone for the work that he had for that person to do like God anointed certain Kings and God anointed certain prophets. He all of his prophets. He anointed with the Holy Spirit to carry out the work that he gave them to do, but they were unregenerate men. I mean, that's why you see Elijah after he has defeated all the prophets of Baal and then is threatened by Jezebel with assassination, sits under a juniper tree and wants to die because he thought, well, I I thought I'd solve this problem. Here I am now, a fugitive from from this woman who wants to kill me. And God had to to raise him up and, and, and spur him on because, you see, he was still in the flesh. He would now, and by the way, I'm not saying that Christians today can't, a true Christian born again can't, suffer depression and despair and, and and contemplate suicide i've never met a person who's who truly was a born or is a born-again christian who did that but i've read that it's true i don't doubt the reports uh, i have a hard time with it but i i don't doubt the reports because i know that the, the deceiving power of satan can get a person's mind all twisted up and they're not thinking straight even a christian however however it's a whole lot harder because when you are born from above, you are born again, you, you, you become regenerated and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's just, it's, it's, and, and you, you are in him and he is in you. It's so much harder for the devil to get that kind of control of a person. That's why the Bible says we have a better covenant based on better promises but the old covenant saints didn't have any of that. And by the way, the people in general had none of that. The people in general, all they had was the covenant of God with Abraham. That's all they had, which is why the Bible says that the the, the old covenant was a schoolmaster leading us to Christ because the law could only condemn, it couldn't save. And so all the law did was to say, you are hopelessly sinful and you need a redeemer. That's all the law could do. So all those living under the law were frankly all condemned people. The only hope they had was the belief in one who would come to redeem them and God had revealed that to them and those who put their faith in that. Those people got not the way we think of it, but those people were saved Looking ahead to the coming of the Messiah. That's why in Colossians chapter two, when it says Jesus Christ spoiled principalities and powers, making an open show of them in it, and he ascended up on high and led captivity captive. In other words, all those saints who had never entered into heaven, you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't David go to heaven? No, he didn't. Didn't Moses go to heaven? No, he didn't. Because Jesus said no man has been to heaven. But him who came, he said, no one is going into heaven, but him who came down from heaven. Where were they? They were were in a place called paradise. Where Jesus said to the, the man on the cross, that's where you're going to meet me. You'll be with me in paradise. Because heaven was not open to human beings because they weren't fit for heaven. I could get into another thing about, you know, some things that Adam's sin had even created some problems in heaven. But I won't get into that right now. That goes into a whole nother line of discussion. But it is the shed blood of Jesus Christ that made it possible for all of those Old Testament saints to enter into heaven. And that's where they are now. You know, when you and I die, we're not as Christians. We're not going to purgatory. We're not going into paradise. We are going directly into the presence of God in heaven. Because Jesus Christ has now paved the way. By his own shed blood. And you all know, I'll just hint at this. He took his blood into heaven. And sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies in heaven. And cleansed the utensils of worship in heaven. See, everything that God gave Moses was a replica of what was already in heaven. And the blood of Jesus Christ, I believe, remains there because nothing can die there. Remains there in the Holy of Holies as an eternal testament to his sacrifice for us. The uncoagulated human blood of Jesus Christ shed for our sins, an eternal monument to our cleansing and our preparation and right to be with God. Charles Wesley put it this way, a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, who sent his son my soul to save and fit it for the sky. See, my soul's been fit now to go to heaven to be with him. To serve the present age, my calling to fulfill. Oh, may it all my powers engage to do my master's will. So, wow, that's just on that, that one verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. By the way, you know, you can plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your family, over your uh, 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 home, over your business, because you say, well, wait a minute, Bishop, how how can you do, because you are in covenant relationship with God and the blood that protects you, the blood that saved you, the blood that made a way for you, you have a right to extend that covenant over that over which you have control and influence. Okay. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I I plead the blood over the world. No, because you don't have control over the world. You don't have any influence over the world. But I can certainly plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my children because they are mine. God gave them to me. I can plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my household because it's mine. God gave it to me. And yes, you probably know where I'm going. I can plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my country because it's mine. God gave it to me and gave it to you and gave it to all of us. That's why the Constitution begins with those three sacred words, we the people. Not we the politicians, not we the elites, not we the leftists. We the people in order to form a more perfect union. Well, you can just hear the sacredness of those words, can't you? unlike any words ever written to found any other country that's ever been established. Okay, I, I, won't, I won't go off into that. We've only got a few minutes left, but let's see if we can get a little bit further. Fourteen verse says, "'For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation.'" See, remember I talked about that chasm, the middle wall? That middle wall, by the way, the, 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 the curtain that existed between the holy place and the holy of holies was a wall of separation through which no person could go Other than the high priest and only on the day of atonement Yom Kippur and they had to tie a rope around his legs so that if when he walked in there sin was found in him He could be dragged out and they could send someone else in there to make the sacrifice for atonement But when Jesus died that wall was was shattered that curtain was torn in two, forever eliminating the separation between God and man now you and I can come boldly to the throne of grace we can enter the Holy of Holies and find grace to help in the time of need because the middle wall of separation has been broken because Jesus Christ is our peace that word police Shalom it, it's Irene uh, in the in the Greek but it means he himself is our putting everything back together. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing cracked, nothing separated, nothing disintegrated. He himself is our wholeness. Who has made both one It brought us back together with God and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh, the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances is just talking about the law. All they could do was condemn. So as to create in himself. One new man from the two, thus making peace. One new man. One new man. See, you are a new man, a new woman in Christ Jesus. That word man is used generically to refer to the human species that God created. One new person, one new man, one new woman from the two. What are you, you, you are now, each of us, wow, are you ready for this? See, Jesus is the penultimate God-man. He is fully God and fully man. You and I have become God-men and God-women. Now, we're not God, but we are like him. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I was once just man now i'm god man because the holy spirit now dwells in me holy spirit is in me jesus is in me it was once me on one side him on the other now there's one a new man in which the two have now come together wow remember jesus quoted psalm 83 and john 10 when they asked him How do you make yourself, how do you call yourself the son of God? And Jesus quoted Psalm 83, which says, I think in the second verse says, I call them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus said, and the scripture cannot be broken. He called us gods to whom the word of God came. Here again, we're not God. We're not God almighty, but we are his children. We are like him. And we're supposed to think like him act like him, talk like him. Wow. So as to create in himself, one new man. See, we're created in him now. One new man from the two, thus making peace. The old man was at enmity with God. The new man is one with God. Wow. I tell you what, folks, this stuff is so it is so rich and so powerful. It's life changing. It really is. You know, the thing is, I, I, I guarantee I probably read the book of Ephesians hundreds of times, but it's always new. Well, the Word of God is like that. It's always new. It's always fresh. I've got to stop because if I don't, I'll keep going. <laughs> right? Well, I guess that's the alternative. If you don't stop, you'll keep going. That's kind of a <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> that's kind of a tautology, isn't it? Uh, well, folks, I love you, and it's so good to be with you. Forgive me for um, the last couple of days. We haven't been able to do this, but, but we're back, okay? And I'll be back with you at 1 p.m. Eastern time on American Family Radio, and again tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. In the meantime, remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit, because we are on God's side.